I feel no compulsion to be a pundit. As a matter of fact, I really don't have much to say about most things. Walter Cronkite. to another episode of Thelonious Pundits. I'm Kentad Spinsgard, and please say hello, as always, to AJ Mass. Hello, hello, hello. How are you, Kentad? I am doing great. Just uh, to let the people out there know, this is a podcast about the television program Criminal Minds. Every week, we will recap and take an in-depth look at an episode of the show. AJ will bring you the rewatch perspective of a longtime fan, and I will bring you the first watch perspective from someone who has never watched the show before. Hopefully you love the show and are here for that water cooler type discussion that we uh, like to have about the show. So, AJ, how are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to uh, get into another episode of The Criminal Minds now that the pilot is out of the way. Um, because pilots can be very piloty. And uh, this one was no exception. I, I'm, I'm very excited to see what your take is as we uh, finally round out the team for the first time with uh, getting a little uh, help on the uh, female ratio here. <laughs> exactly. That's It's important, and I'm glad uh, they sort of fixed that already a little bit from the pilot. A little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. Uh, so let's get into this week's episode, which is Season 1, Episode 2. Uh, and the title of this episode is Compulsion. It originally aired on September 28th, 2005. It was written by creator Jeff Davis and directed by Charles Hayde. Now, AJ, I remember Charles Hayde. Hill Street Blues. Yes. Hill Street Blues. Charles Hayde, he was on the Hill Street Blues. <laughs> Boom. Yes, he was uh, Ranko on that show. I, I even remembered Ranko was his name. I don't really remember the show. I remember Bruce Wheat, White's. Weeks, yeah, yeah. Who was like as animal? <laughs> yeah, like he was the crazy one, and uh, Daniel J. Trevanti. So that's a little. Uh, it's nice when I see these names, uh, and familiar Ver names. Yeah, and Veronica mm -hmm. Hamill and Betty Thomas because we want to keep the female ratio. That's right. You are correct. <laughs> you are so correct. Um, yeah, Charles Hayde uh, directed this episode. I'm glad to know he's still working. Well, at least as of 2005. And, and in a very sim similar genre, if you will. Yeah, the procedural. Even though The Hill Street Blues was actually the first show that kind of took that procedural and kind of made it a little more long-term story arcs and personal lives. But still, at its heart, it's, it still was uh, a very procedural. <laughs> yes, indeedy. So uh, let's get into the show. This week's show starts off where we ended last week at the gas station. Staring and, into Gideon's eyes. Exactly. <laughs> Staring into his eyes and the footpath killer is right behind him with the shotgun. They have a little struggle and uh, basically the footpath killer disarms Gideon and forces him into a back room at the station. And he and he asks him who he is and asks for his wallet, find out who, who he is. And uh, then he makes the mistake of asking Gideon, what does he know? Now, I've learned from just one episode, <laughs> AJ, if you ask anyone... From BAU, what do they know they're going to tell you? And you might not like their answer. Uh, certainly, uh, as we're going to see, uh, we saw at the end of uh, last episode, and we see later in this episode, 
Gideon's tactic when dealing with unsubs too is is brutal honesty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he starts breaking down the whole profile for him and tops it off with a, a promise of "I know why you stutter." And then we get some kind of a somewhat of a fake out because we're we're taken back to Gideon's office and realize that this scene is a is a memory that he's telling to some of his staff. I felt a little bit faked out by that. I was a little disappointed. Maybe I wanted uh, the action to be, you know, right then and there. Um, but it, it was still that was fine. I mean, you know, Mandy Patinkin, uh, he's got what we call the plot armor, uh, you know, uh, certainly. Uh, members of the BAU at some point uh, could be killed, and certainly uh, no one is safe in a series that lasts 15 years, you know. Episode 2, you're not killing the lead, so he had the plot hour anyway, but at least you don't have to worry about it so much since we hear him recounting this this tale to uh, three out of the uh, large room of, of uh, students and interns and flunkies who he had talked to in the first episode, I guess. Uh... <laughs> I guess they figured, yeah, we don't need that many people. We could still just have them in a setting with three of them. (laughs) Yeah. And so the main point, uh, it seems, of his story is to show that sometimes some of the unsubs are caught just by dumb luck. And I actually appreciate this because I I think this episode is very uh, good uh, in terms of taking itself too seriously at points, but also... Winking at the audience and saying, yeah, but, you know, even though we're going to, like, have all of our characters be very, uh, oh, my gosh, we've, we've, we've figured this out. And we, we, you know, because of this, then this and this and this and this and this, we go down this, this theory, and this theory. At the end of the day, they still are operating under a system that we're still we still got to get lucky. <laughs> Sometimes the car magazine is just sitting there right out in the open for you. Indeed, indeed. But I, I think I think we should discuss later on when we get to some of the clues that actually do lead them in the right direction here. How, how, no, how, what? No. Yes, yes, <laughs> definitely. So uh, Greenway uh, happens to pop in and was listening to the story and she uh, asks Gideon, so why did this uh, killer stutter? And uh, Gideon looks at her and says, you tell me. Yeah, although I also, he, he, he says to her more specifically, well, Al, now that you are becoming a member of the BAU, <laughs> you tell me, which, which solves all the confusion. Like, what is she doing here? She was just this agent who wanted to be in the BAU. Apparently, uh, she impressed enough in the pilot that uh, they right. agreed to take her on and bring her in from Seattle. Uh, and, and she's here now, so uh, she will be part of the unit going forward. Uh, we've, we've kind of made that unofficially official. I guess apparently she showed a little leg, uh, and <laughs> they were impressed enough. That's a flashback to the first episode. So Gideon walks out of his office, and apparently this whole time he was also in a chess match with Reed, and he just walks by and makes a quick move, puts him in check, tells him checkmate in three moves, and then keeps on walking. Uh, Morgan <laughs> is there, and he tells Reed, you know, you need to think outside the box if you want to beat Gideon and this will come back in this yeah, episode. And, and again, we're early in the in the series. I think that that line by Morgan didn't come off as natural at all. And it, it, was, it was really a shit. This is a script writer putting something in so I can call it back later. But okay, you know, it's still early on. I, I do think that the writing, and even in this episode, I think a lot of more more lines kind of ring true from the characters a lot more. And I think the actors are really getting a sense of who these characters are. Uh, I, I don't think this line works towards serving that goal, however. 
I I agree. So uh, Ben Greenway comes out and she she immediately tries to cheat on her assignment by asking the guys why did the FP kill her stutter, uh, but they're they're of no help to her. Yeah, yeah. Morgan's like, uh, I think the point of the uh, the assignment <laughs> that I know you got from Gideon, I think Gideon wants you uh, to figure it out. I don't know the answer. Uh, I haven't figured it out, but I think I think that's the point is he wants us to figure it out. L now AJ. Yeah. Meet JJ, who's oh, played yes. by AJ. Indeed. Uh, What's she yes, cooking indeed. up? <laughs> we meet Jennifer Giroux, who walks by night and flies by day. And she's played by AJ Cook. And she introduces herself to Greenway as the unit liaison. And then we get right back into the action of things. Hotch comes in and calls a team powwow, where... I do, I do what... Yeah, I do want to interject. Before we get to Hotch's powwow, I want to interject here that JJ introduces himself to L and they have a conversation and immediately in episode two, Criminal Minds finally passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> we had oh, two point. female characters on screen talking to each other, not about a man, but about themselves and their lives and the job. Congratulations, Criminal Minds. You've done Gross. an episode two what a lot of shows never do. <laughs> Yes, through their whole existence. Exactly. Good point. Uh, kudos. Because they couldn't have done it in episode one. <laughs> Here we go. And uh, they go into the little powwow and they're going to introduce this week's case. Basically, they watch a video that was sent to them from one Bradshaw College in Tempe, Arizona, where a serial arsonist is on the loose. We see a frightening incident on tape by some students who were filming a fire in the dorm across from them when one of them notices someone trying to get into their room and a strange liquid or gas coming in from under the door. And uh, before the student can get away, that's standing by the door, the gas is ignited and the poor fellow is engulfed in flames and he's screaming and it's it's pretty terrifying little video. Yes, it's not pleasant. I, this is the section of the show that if you are of the faint of heart uh, at all, you know you're going to be uh, looking away from the screen. Uh, generally speaking, this is where the most brutal stuff in every episode is going to happen. Not always the case. Sometimes there's more brutal stuff to come, but uh, Criminal Minds likes to get the brutality right out there uh, in, in the cold open, <laughs> or at least before the opening credits. Yeah, and now this week for realsies, we actually get some credits, opening credits. Yes, these are the opening credits and the theme song that we're going to have for in perpetuity from this point forward. This is our theme song. Uh, What did you think of the theme song, I I, I ask you? Is this your first time hearing it? I... I, it actually didn't leave an impression on me, AJ, so I want to listen to it again more closely next time. This, that that might be good because I was actually just sort of watching the credits and the names and like the style of the credits. I actually didn't pay much attention, but now I'm going to pay better attention uh, well, next week. Cool, cool, cool. There, there are, uh, you know, it closes with the six people who are in the BAU. We get our, uh, you know, our... Our Gideon, our L, our Morgan, our Hotch, our Reed, our, our JJ, and they're all standing there in this kind of like line, staring at us like, hello, look at us. And like I said, that while that uh, picture is going to grow in size and shrink in size as cast changes go over the years and change, that's that's your that's your uh, opening from here on out. Uh, uh, yeah, so we got our little six people there. I do have, uh, I don't know if you want me to say now, you want me to wait till next week, your call. Uh Having watched for oh so many times, I have my own lyrics to the theme song that I sing every time it comes on. Let's let's do that next week 
because okay. uh, a it gives us all something to look forward to and b i, I really do want to kind of get it in my head again before before i get Absolutely. the lyrics so very very good something to look forward to I, <laughs> teaser, uh, teaser i love it i love it i love it so uh we're back into the super jet which is my name right now for it unless we can come up with something better yeah, i feel I just, like it needs just, a name I just call it the jet. <laughs> We're back in the jet, and it's on its way to uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and we get our opening quote for the episode, which is, Einstein once said, imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited. Imagination encircles the world. Yeah, the, I think it's continuing with that out-of-the-box thinking theme that we set up that uh, you can't just go from point A to point B to point C. Sometimes you got to skip a few steps there and hopefully you'll uh, end up on the right path. What did Einstein know? <laughs> that guy did a few things. Morons! <laughs> <laughs> so they're discussing the case and, and Morgan actually asks with a straight face if Reed has any stats on arsons. <laughs> Of course he does. Uh, they chat some more, and they mention the first person that they'll talk to, who is the dean. And Morgan is looking at a brochure for the school, and in a repeat of last week's impressive editing and camera techniques, we zoom into the picture in the brochure, and then we are now at Bradshaw College as the team is arriving there in their big black SUVs. Yeah, two for two in episodes and using the picture-in-picture picture edit, as I like to call it, or picture-into-picture picture, uh, edit. We'll see. Uh, I told you they love this shot. I told you. Uh, two for two. We'll see you get going. There is one There is one thing that was mentioned on the jet that I do want to, you know, a lot of it, gobbledygook, blah, 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 blah. It's just my, my uh, BAU gobbledygook. But there was an interesting thing. I thought that it was just interesting that the conversation was about, uh, you know, all these statistics. And then Morgan says, well, it's got to be a student. He's got to be a student. And, and Gideon's like, oh, don't be so sure. We shouldn't rely on precedent all the time. Sometimes just because the statistics say this is always how it's going to be, it might not be that way. And I, I want to put a pin in that point for later because i think it's very important okay pin pinned pin pinned picture in picture tivo take me to tempe as <laughs> as they're walking in all they look like a, a superhero team of fbi people and gideon hilariously says uh we don't want to satisfy the unsub's need for attention try not to look official and then he looks back at them and then says, well, try to look less official. There's some humor on this show. It is not all dour and, and dopey. I, I think there's that's where this show works, is when it realizes that these are people and they have they they have a sense of humor. Well, everyone except Hotch, even though Hotch had a sense of humor in episode one of the pilot, he will never have an he will almost never have a sense of humor ever again. And I think that starts here where they give Gideon a line that Hotch probably would have had <laughs> in episode yeah, one. Yeah, I can't think of one humorous moment with Hotch this week. Yeah, and it's gonna be wild. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, now the team is inside talking to the dean and uh, uh, some fire inspector about the case. And uh, they happen to mention that some chemicals have been stolen from the science department. That means if the arsonist is holding to a pattern that seems to have been established that they have one day before the next fire is set. Hotch and Reed then go check out the victim's room and they talk about how it doesn't make sense, how the arsonist set a fire that he basically couldn't see because that would be a typical need for an arsonist. The rest of the team is investigating the, the case and discussing possible motives that a serial arsonist might have. And then we cut to Morgan. Uh, where he's doing his shtick, where he's walking in the shoes of the unsub, trying to think like the unsub. Um, he's walking around the dorm 
on it's one of those sort of outside type dorm like you see him in the apartment there or walking on the steps looking through and he wonders why the unsub started the fire on the third floor rather than from the basement since the fire would go up basically and get the whole building and he decides from that that the the fire it wasn't about setting the building itself on fire. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's very fortunate that when they went into the victim's room that they didn't see a whole big pile of CDs lying around. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> because I could have saved a lot of time. Look, he's a, pyroma- he's a pyromaniac. Go to the Death Leopard. <laughs> I'll just save you some time here. <laughs> Find the one that's empty. The one that's empty. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't repeat themselves on that so quickly. But yeah, no, yeah. It's, yes. it's, again, Morgan, uh, yeah, they're continuing the theme. This is what Morgan does. Morgan will do do uh, some other stuff later. But yeah, I, 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 visually appealing. Again, I at this point, I would hope it's not going to be, all right, here's the point in every episode. And they will get away from it eventually. But you're they're establishing a personality for a show, and that's a good thing. Okay. Yeah, I, I like it. it as a, someone just watching it fresh. I need a little bit of time to get used to these people. So go ahead and yeah. knock me over the head. Well, there'll be that later. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we cut to Greenway and Reed and they're talking and uh, Elle, she's thinking they might be looking for a chemistry student rather than a teacher. And she talks about how a teacher would have confidence while their arsonist is probably lacking in confidence, doesn't go on dates, doesn't go to parties, doesn't feel comfortable in groups. And then she looks at Reed and Reed has a l- look like, oh, wait, <laughs> you're talking about me. And so Elle awkwardly says, and of course, he, he's a total psycho. <laughs> and Reed goes, you're, you're still talking about me. No, 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 he doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, again, uh, showing a little personality, showing some sense of humor, and that, you know, these people are in a unit that they see such horrific things on a daily basis. They need to be able to vent uh, uh, on each other in this way. And and so it's it's cool to see that she's fitting into the group so quickly as well. Yeah, and I do like the acting and the scene from these two uh, because they didn't have to, like, hit you over the head. That That's what the inference was. They just, you could see it in their facial expressions. It was pretty nice. Then we cut to Gideon, who's walking through the campus with the dean, and he's explaining he set up a hotline in hopes that the arsonist might actually call it. And he has a a strange reaction when he notices some guy lighting up a cigarette. Then there's some cutting back and forth here. We cut to a professor walking to his office, and then we cut back to Gideon, who sees this girl having issues getting a water fountain to work. And we can tell Gideon is starting to sense trouble. His spidey senses are tingling. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We cut back to the professor in his office who is smelling something strange and seeing some kind of chemical on the floor by a closet door. My, that's peculiar. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to mention that maybe if this just happened recently, maybe (laughs) you want to stay away. But okay. Anyway, uh, so he's, he opens the, the closet door, uh, but it's dark. And then we cut back to Gideon, who's in panic mode at this point, who starts, he uh, pulls a fire alarm and starts screaming at everyone to clear the building. With the D, with the D and, there. What's happening? What is it? What is it? What's going on? What yeah. happens? And he doesn't say anything. Right, right. <laughs> the Dean is not involved. And then uh, we cut back to the professor, who unfortunately turns on the light switch, flips on the light switch which ignites some sort of explosion 
and the professor is on fire. Yeah, we get a, we get a nice not quite Wilhelm scream <laughs> from the professor as we head as we head to the commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> now, when we get back, Gideon has made it up to the floor where the professor is, and we can hear the professor screaming from the office. But Gideon can't get in. He tries valiantly, but he's not going to make it in in time. And and Morgan comes and pulls Gideon away. The whole campus is in chaos. Crowds are forming. And Hotch tells Greenway that he might as well take some pictures of the crowd because the arsonists may be watching this whole whole fiasco. And uh, Elle starts taking the photos. And we... Uh, Cut to later on that night. Well, yeah, we get we get we get a nice little. I think we get a nice little video effect here of the photos, uh, focusing on all these all right. these uh, rando uh, rogues gallery <laughs> that you that right. we never see again. But it is it is kind of kind of uh, uh, again a, a nice way to break up the storytelling from static shots, even if it doesn't result in anything ever at any point. Just emphasize the fact we're, right. we're looking for the, for all these guys. These are the people I'm taking a picture of. It could be any one of these rando college white guy students because that's what we've decided as being who the Vunsub is. Exactly. Although they think I think they did take one picture of a guy who looked vaguely Polynesian, uh, <laughs> but but mainly uh, that might have just been as for the control group. Yeah. So we now have uh, we're later that night and. Uh, and the dean and, and Gideon are talking about the late professor. Greenway comes in and they discuss maybe evacuating the, the 10,000 student campus. Gideon leaves, basically, Gideon and Greenway. and But we stay with the dean. And a, a student named uh, Jeremy comes into the dean's office and says that he and some of the other students from the science department can help because they figured out how the arsonist has uh, killed the And professor. you know, as soon as Jeremy walks in and she gives him a name and says, oh, hello, Jeremy, what can I do for you? You're just like, whoop, whoop, warning, warning. This could be the unsub. This could be the unsub. The Scooby-Doo of it all <laughs> suddenly seeps in. Yes. Uh, he has a name, so he's a possibility. They do they do a good job of giving you several possibilities. Absolutely, um, I've noticed it's um, like a slightly say, bigger field than, than the Scooby-Doo, but <laughs> right. But, but like you say, the, there's all the people that we're taking pictures of. And then uh, we have some other ones during the uh, course of this episode. Now we cut to a team powwow and uh, they aren't getting anywhere yet in the case. It doesn't seem to match up with all the classical serial arsonist case that they know about. And Gideon says that they're missing the two important elements that would need to be involved for that, which would be sex and power. Um, that would be typical for a case like that. And they, they don't, don't have, have it. it. I would, it, it almost sounded like a rallying cry. He, he was like, no sex, no power, no profile. No sex, no power, no profile. No sex, no power, no profile. <laughs> I'm going to refrain from my no Roger, no rebound. <laughs> <No! laughs> yeah. And they, they also, they also did that quick little thing in that scene where Morgan is talking to them and dissolves into a campus setting. Uh, and it dissolves mm -hmm. back, which Gideon had done in episodes one. So at least they gave that superpower to somebody else for this time around. Yeah. Since, since we already know that Gideon is, is has a spidey sense. So he doesn't need the, yes. <laughs> he doesn't need dissolver powers. <laughs> So later on, Gideon is is walking on the campus somewhere, and he's stopped by a student. My on a favorite bike character in the episode, <laughs> Campus Bike Dork, and uh, he's part of Campus Patrol, and he asks for Gideon's ID, and. Apparently, I mean, I know they didn't want to attract all that much attention when they got their 
but the kid knows, oh, you're like the FBI profiler, right? Uh, does that does that really work? Does that profiling really yeah, work? Yeah, again, even though this isn't the pilot, I'm convinced that this line was here just so that he could, again, describe to everyone who's watching this for the first time when we have missed the pilot. So you're a profiler, right? You know, like you go to a crime scene, you look around, you know what kind of shampoo the, the, the guy uses. Right. Like, well, <laughs> it doesn't work exactly like that. <laughs> but uh, I can profile you right now if you like. <laughs> Is this your car? <laughs> and then Gideon again. Harsh is all harsh. <laughs> yeah, he just break. He just comes out. So, with so stuff, your girlfriend right? is uh, thinking about breaking up with you. Did you know that? <laughs> the guy's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna what? <laughs> and he can tell this just by the necklace that this guy's wearing. Yeah, uh, you're fondling it. It must be new, or it was given to you, and you're not used to wearing it. And it has Chinese characters on it. And Chinese characters means that it's, uh, you know she's she believes that you're, you guys are soulmates, and you don't really feel that by the way you're holding it. So uh, anyway, gotta go. Bye. <laughs> yeah. At the time, this scene seemed relatively insignificant to me, unless, of course, we were meeting the unsub. Um, and, and then, of course, okay, that's why we did it. But I, I, that, at, my thought at the time was, uh, didn't really need that scene. And, but and I agree with I, you. I get but what yes, you mean. Uh, but I, I think it, it's there, again, just so we could once again see Gideon do the thing that Gideon does. And in this episode in particular, I think it's important because, again, Gideon is so sure of himself that, uh, you know, well, statistically speaking, <laughs> essentially is what he's doing, right. when really he's he's guessing. He's guessing. But by the reaction of the kid, he knows instantly that he's right. Or at least that the kid is thinking right. that he's right. I mean, he very well this in in an alternative universe, this kid's girlfriend could have been totally into him and not thinking of that at all. But he raises the point, and it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> he could have like just ruined everything for this guy. Next, we cut to Hotch and Reed, who are with the uh, science students. And Hotch thinks Reed should go talk to them because he's the same age and and he can probably you know communicate with them better. But that doesn't really go too well. I mean, this was a flame out of epic proportions. <laughs> I, I I very rarely have seen anyone flame out uh, when talking to someone and, and pulling an Alamogordo, as I like to call it. Uh, when I was in college, my friend Gary was was really in, in love with this girl from afar. And, you know, we were all encouraging him to, like, go ahead and talk to her. And he ended up talking about the Alamogordo nuclear tests. <laughs> which is why i call this an alamogordo and this this was pretty much an alamogordo uh and and the only thing i do like about it is that hotch knows he's gonna alamogordo he just doesn't want him to do this for the rest of his life and so this is a very low pressure situation he knows he can step in at any moment they, they don't you know they're, they're talking to four chemistry schmoes this is not that big a deal but it will get read past that uh, initial failure and maybe move on to the next round <laughs> yeah I, I i think that's good we're sort of training on yeah, the go exactly uh, with this with this young genius who we're probably going to need a lot but uh yeah uh, and no pun intended a... but boy does he flame out yeah <laughs> yeah oh no it's horrible and so uh, and hotch has to save it basically and and say look the, the main point is uh we're here what you guys got for us <laughs> one sentence one sentence he recaptured well the yeah, you used to be called the ab the cce and they belong to this organization oh my god Reed. just ask ask what do you got yeah. Uh, 
The kids show that the arsonist must have drilled a hole in the light bulb and put some gasoline or something similar in there. And when the light was switched on, the light exploded. Okay, thanks. I mean, we kind of yeah, but the that, fact but. that the fact that there's nobody had any evidence of this, and this is just, you know we at home saw the light bulb. We know the BAU has investigated right. the scene and saw the light bulb. How does Jeremy know about the light bulb if if he's not somehow responsible? Is what you could be thinking at this point, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, there's the four kids there. Two of them don't talk at all. Two, two, right. two of the girls don't talk at all. The one who does talk basically just says, "Oh, anyone can buy buy stuff to make a bomb on the internet and look up how to do it. You can even use just sugar from the store, and uh, you know, sugar, 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 sugar." sugar. sugar. Uh, they're like, okay, cool. Let's get out of here. Well, you need the key. I've got the key for the elevator. That's a little uh, foreshadowing. Uh, definitely hit you over the head after 10 o'clock you need a key or you can't get in here and i have the key because i'm in chemistry club and then for some reason also in the elevator on the way down he mentions yeah i've got a lot of work to do i'm working on the three body problem (laughs) (laughs) yeah no nobody asked what your stuff did but okay sure thanks (laughs) and again I got to give some kudos to my man, Matthew Gray Goobler, for his acting just without saying anything in the back of the elevator during that scene. He's just, so, you sort of know that he's like, he's all about the three body yeah. problem. He knows well, all you know, about Jeremy, it. Jeremy basically is talking to Hodge and goes, Have you heard about the three body problem? And Hodge is like, yeah, yeah, no, I don't even want to ask about it. And Matthew's, you yeah. know, uh, great Goobler's in the back on, mm-hmm. Oh, I know all about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, they've never yeah, solved yeah, it. No. <laughs> So now we go back to the BAU office where JJ is conferring with Garcia, who's nice to see again. So you're right. She she comes back. We don't get I'm, I'm assuming we're going to get a lot more of Garcia over the but ensuing definitely, years. Definitely, uh, much, much more than the singular conversation she had last time. She's in a few scenes in this one. And, you know, again, she, JJ's not in this one a lot either. So it's, 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 they're back at they're back at home base. We're, at least we're getting introduced right. to them a little bit more. And I, I, I enjoyed uh, a little bit of their banter uh, throughout the episode. So, yeah. It was it was good. So Garcia has received a message on the hotline and a, a voice that sounds altered is saying what sounds like Karen. I do this for Karen. We cut to Gideon, who's now hearing the message. And, and Morgan says the call came from the office next door to the professor's five minutes before the fire was started. So we think it's, I think uh, it's related. Uh, <laughs> good, good detective work. <laughs> we think it's a real call. Yeah. yeah. No, well, it's yeah, just no, not I know, I know. basically <laughs> what I, yeah. Uh, something about the message doesn't seem right and and Gideon can't put his finger on it he's you know playing it over and over again and Morgan calls Garcia and and asks if she can clean up the audio on the tape she makes a a Star Trek joke and then there's some kind of flirty banter between her and Morgan yeah it's it's nice to see that you know outside outside of like yeah no can do sorry bye bye in in episode one here it's like oh this is this is the beginning of the Garcia that we know there's never no can do with her it can be done and if it can't be done she gonna figure out a way to do it so it's just like you know on Star Trek they say you know do it and it's impossible and he says damn it you know I'm not a miracle worker (laughs) and like I'm a doctor, not a miracle worker. She's like, he's like, what are you saying? You can't do it? Oh, I'm saying I'm not a doctor, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pretty dope. Yeah, She's pretty exactly. dope. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, we cut to the dean who's providing Greenway with files for every student named Karen. And, and Greenway says, that's a lot of Karens, which has a 2005, whole folks. meeting now. <laughs> now 15 years before a lot of Karens on a college campus means something completely different. Cutting edge, yeah. friend of mine. I'm telling you. Prescience. <laughs> Sometimes you just luck into these things, AJ. It's not the skill. It's the dumb luck. Go. And that is a prime example. And uh, Gideon is outside and he's talking with Reed. And for some reason, uh, Gideon thinks he's being helpful by explaining to Reed what thinking outside of the box means. <laughs> uh, basically that he has to get creative. Yeah. He has to get Again, more creative when he's thinking about a problem. For the old CBS demographic like just to be clear this is what we mean by what's out of the picket outside the box i don't know why they wouldn't know this but it's just it's again you know we picked up on that line as being weird when it first came up like he's gonna repeat it here and say it's a theme for the episode folks just deal with it. <laughs> exactly and then we have karen's on parade <laughs> Yeah, it's I called it the Karen Palooza. Uh, Greenway and Morgan are interviewing all these Karens, and and still Greenway is trying to cheat her way into learning why the FP killer stuttered, and Morgan can't help her. He doesn't. He doesn't know it. He he has no idea. Hey, listen, no Doctor Google, you can all the research. You tell me. You don't got it. I don't care. I really don't. Now let's call in Karen number eight of one hundred and fifty-three. We got work to do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut to Gideon, who's walking along the hallway in the science department, looking at the wall, and there's a lot of various postings on the wall, including uh, a picture of the three-body problem, mm -hmm. which is evidently some question about gravitational interactions. Yes, it's a gravitational interaction between the Earth, the Sun, and the Moon, and while you can uh, ap apply for two factors in in impacting gravity on each other, when you throw in the third factor, uh, it's very hard to do. I mean, you might have to go into Eulerian geometric uh, proportions to come up with something similar, but it's not quite going to solve this problem that even to this day has... Alright, I'm sorry. Uh, I turned into Spencer Reed there for a second. I apologize. Uh, I thought that was well, well done, uh, AJ. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this because again you're not as familiar with the with the Criminal Minds theme. But while he's looking at the board, they're playing a stripped down, uh, spooky version of the Criminal Minds theme. Uh, you might you might want to rewatch the ten seconds of this scene, but they they're, they are going. It was just it was a little slow down and stripped down version of the of the theme. They don't usually do that, which is why it, it stood out to me. Nice. I'm gonna check it out. I'll uh, go back and look at that. Uh, so our friend from before. Mr. Campus Bike Dweeb. Yep, Bike Dweeb shows up again. <laughs> uh, shows back up. And he sort of is, he's kind of startles uh, getting a little bit. The kid is saying, Oh, well, no, uh, the building is on my patrol. He's not suspicious at all. Um, Gideon explains how the three-body problem is one of the great mathematical problems, and this guy has no interest. He, he could care less <laughs> like much about of the audience. that. <laughs> and Gideon notes that the necklace the kid is wearing is gone, so he must have broken up with this girl, and the kid says he wanted to date someone else. Uh, no, I, I actually want to play this out. I want to play this scene out. This is the scene <laughs> from the perspective of... <laughs> Of bike dweeb, okay? He's all, he's doing his rounds. Okay. He sees the FBI guy staring at a bulletin board. He goes, oh, sorry, didn't mean to stare, startle you. Uh, I'm just doing my rounds. And he's like, oh, 
Yeah. Uh, the only other time you interacted with me, I told you your girlfriend was going to break up with you, and I see you don't have your necklace on, so she must have broken up with you. And he goes, yeah, I, I, I broke up with her. I, I, I wanted to date somebody else. Oh, what's her name? And he goes, Brian. And Gideon says, and Gideon looks at him and goes, oh, that's a pretty good reason. And he goes, yeah. And then she read me the wrath of God. And Gideon goes, wrath of God, wrath of God, and runs away. <laughs> what is going through his mind? And like, basically, I'm gay. Oh, you're wrath of God. <laughs> runs away. Yeah. Yeah, this is a big moment of his life. <laughs> saying the, first, to you. the second he person just, probably he's ever come out to, and he, he says, "Wrath of God," and runs away, just like she did. Yeah, he bounces. Yeah. That's exactly what I have yeah. in my notes. He 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 hears "Wrath of God," doesn't even say goodbye. Just turn now around we will and find out why he did that later on. But I just I just I just I just like to think of it from the other guy's perspective, and it's just it's just wow. This kid's gonna have have issues for a while. I'm so sorry to say. <laughs> so now we uh, we're back with uh, Garcia, who's filtered the audio file, and the only thing she's come up with is this person is not saying Karen. Actually, it's more like Caron, Caron. And I, I guess she only checked in really so she could have more flirty talk Indeed. with Morgan, uh, because that's, that's what happens. <laughs> and uh, Morgan turns to the room and says, "It's not Karen. It's and Gideon burst in and says." Sharon, Sharon. I can't do. I can't. No, no. He says Sharon. You are not of the tribe. You are not of the tribe. It is hard to do. But anyway, apparently it's Hebrew and it it means God's burning anger. And the team discusses maybe the whole thing has a religious motive. And are you, here's here's where it is, this is just uh, again the fun fun scene. None of what they're saying in the scene has any importance. It's, it doesn't matter at all. It's all again gobbledygook. But they go on this this instantly. It's like okay, we're wrong about our thoughts, and they in, instantly all like all right. Well, let's list like, you put a list of all the religions there. Maybe maybe he's a theology major. Uh, you know they throw out all. Previous assumptions and they're reworking the profile from the yeah. start. And there's very middle of this whole thing. L hands read a, a, a covered like uh, takeout meal to go. He looks at it and just he's front of frame and just goes, I don't want this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was great. Uh, and then fi finally, finally, uh, Gideon's like, wait, 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 none of us should be jumping to conclusions right here. By the way, did I tell about this kid that I told him? To <laughs> But I, I just love the fact that they're they're willing to admit that, yeah, they're just they're so quick to just throw up all these theories. Like, well, that, 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 that. we have no evidence whatsoever. Stop it. Uh, Morgan is like, dude, we need to be rushing to some conclusions right now. It's like TikTok, dying, TikTok, buddy. baby. <laughs> we got to move on this, and uh, then we see Reed, who seems to be figuring something out. Maybe he's starting to finally think outside of the box, and he says one word to himself. What was that word, Pinta? Compulsions. Title alert. Title alert. Title alert. Read for the second straight episode our, has given us the title. It is, a, <laughs> it is our episode title, and I wonder 
I wondered if Reed gets to say the episode title every time because that's good job security. Well, I have not tracked this uh, before, but uh, certainly I noticed it uh, while doing this podcast, and we're going to be tracking this going forward. So far, the title has definitely been said in each episode, and it's two for two for Reed. We'll see how long that streak goes. Um, what happens here? So, something to look forward to. I'm kind of hoping it's just read the whole the whole series basically says the episode title. I think it's be certainly possible. Maybe I don't know. I'm not, not going to say whether he's in every episode or not. So, <laughs> good point. Good point. So Reed, he goes to his own little station wherever he's set up and he watches the arson video from before and he's making notes on a whiteboard and, and Gideon just pops his head in out of the blue just to say, keep thinking. It's like chess. You've got to think three All moves right, ahead. I have thoughts on this. <laughs> I have two okay. thoughts on this. On the one hand, we've been watching Reed for this little montage of him watching, rewinding, watching, rewinding, getting to the board, wiping the board, getting ready to write. He's finally formulated a thought. Gideon <laughs> interrupts him. <laughs> Keep thinking. He just started thinking. He's going to forget what he just came up with. You jerk. You're an idiot. And at the second point is, though, he says, look three moves ahead. And it's only because he says that that actually causes Reed <laughs> to look. Right. I, it's just it's simultaneously ridiculous and frustrating and completely plausible in the universe of this episode that three. Wait a second. Three. And he rewinds the tape and he looks at the doorknob and he sees, zooms in in a way that no tape could possibly zoom in except on television shows. But, you know, all right, fine. He zooms in the doorknob right. and he sees three. Three is very important. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, yeah, right. no kidding, Sherlock. You, you also mentioned three body problems 63 times, so we knew three was important. And Morgan before had said third floor, so if we were paying attention, we could have come up with a number three. But finally, Reed, by thinking outside of the box and being interrupted, has come up with three. But really, Gideon might have come up with himself and just planted it. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's true. He just Maybe he was trying to let Reed work it out, you know, as a, as a training method. It's hard to um, say. That might be, yeah, might be, but it is hard to say. And and but but Reed like fully takes takes off and goes to the office and sees that the professor's office number was three and just the whole he finds starts finding all these things with the number three and and uh, so he excitedly goes to the team to explain that he's figured out that it's not a classical serial arsonist that they're dealing with. They're dealing with a completely different issue, an extreme case of OCD centered around the number three and it also appears to have a religious basis um, which is about some sort of fear of committing sin so that you must act in a, in a compulsive manner and there's a ton of convergences I think is the word <laughs> yeah, I mean, that happen around again, that number it, it, I, I'll allow it for this episode if, if this is something that continues like for more, more and more episodes spoiler alert it's not really uh, there's a lot of explaining season one uh, in terms of this is what this term is that we're going to use and eventually it just becomes shorthand uh, you know they may explain it every 10th episode for new viewers but you know eventually when we get familiar with the jargon we're going to just use the jargon and it, they're not going to have to explain it as much but again there's a lot of this justifying and explaining and it's like well three is a pattern and there's a three and the, oh it was March 3rd at 3 p.m. and it was on the third floor and it was office three and the three 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 yeah we get it it's a pattern we know what patterns are you know but yeah I understand the need to kind of like over explain a little bit here and again they're falling back on 
using the fact that humans fall on patterns to justify things when they themselves are using that pattern to justify things. It's just, it's weird. Yeah. They, they, it's a little sneaky there. It's a little, uh, little yeah. weird, as you say. Hotch realizes he knows who who our our perpetrator might be, uh, because he remembers the girl student that uh, mentioned um, sugar. She mentioned it three times, and she was also wearing a ring. And he had happened to notice that she was turning her ring at intervals of three. And she held up three fingers at one point, and like, okay, you know, all of this is 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 fine that you remembered that, which I doubt that anyone really would have remembered. Reed, I would have thought remembered it because Reed has uh, an eidetic memory; yeah. he remembers everything. Uh, he can he can replay things right. in his head, and I'm fine with that. If you say Reed's got that, I don't know why Hotch is the one who suddenly remembers that and everything. Uh, was it that? Memorable? I don't know. But again, he wouldn't have thought of it unless they were thinking of the number three. So, you know, if the number four had come up, he never would have solved this case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been, it would have been over for them. And also Hotch says, yeah, so it's a, it's a she, not a he. And we cut to the dean saying the name of our, what we think now may be the unsub, Clara Hayes. Who is one of the Kim students? Indeed, indeed. Uh, don't really know why we had to have the dean do that. I mean, they could, they could have just cut to the next scene and said, "We got the name from the dean. Her name is Clara Hayes." I mean, but I guess they, they, she already hit her five lines, so they're already paying her. <laughs> I, I was going to say she was more yeah. than a day player, so they had to like get their worth. Out oh, of hold her. that thought. For um, Look ahead, yeah. <laughs> okay, they go to uh, her apartment to arrest her, but she's not there. And the apartment is the classic bad guy lair with a ton of stuff. It's all John Doe from Seven. Yeah, it is. It, yeah, it, 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 it exactly. Is we, uh, we have, and in this scene, we have two. Two back-to-back moments of what I, I call the over-explaining to your CBS demographic when you really shouldn't have to. Uh, the, the first the first is when uh, Elle notices the picture of Sharon on the wall and says, that's, that's Sharon! He's the Greek ferryman! That right there is Sharon! And then we're, yeah, it's also a moon of Pluto. Like, okay, thank you for over-explaining. Yeah. We got that two scenes ago, but whatever. But more to the point, and probably the worst example, is when Morgan says, OCD, more like OMG. And L goes, OMG? He goes, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Seriously, people? I mean, I realize we still got another five years till Usher releases the song at this point, but people don't know what OMG is. Come on. Come on. Come on. I, I actually, I, I just dislike the joke in general and wanted kind of to strangle Morgan at that point. But uh, yeah, the explanation of it was a little bit oh, over the top. Man. There's one of those, it, 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 not maybe not every episode, but we'll see. But I, I seem to recall there being like a line in many, many episodes like that where I'm just like, seriously, you had to explain that. And, and here, here's, I don't know what we're going to call that, if, if there's something we're going to call it, but uh, the, the CBS over explain certainly happened again in that scene. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, also, just wanted to mention that uh, Clara has a, a, a fangirl poster of <laughs> Moloch on her wall, who was the demon god of the Canaanites, uh, and who tortured his victims by burning yes, them alive. Yes, and also portrayed by so. uh, Donnie Most on an episode of Chips, who played Ralph Mouth in Happy Days. 
<laughs> the best episode of Chips ever. <laughs> yes. Really? He plays a heavy metal singer named Moloch, who sings a song called Devil Take Me, and it is, it's Rough Mouth in, in, in Kiss Makeup singing a uh, satanic song. It's hilarious. <laughs> wow. I gotta revisit that. Ponch and John. And Coming up and next, these Pundits. Do chips. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Hotch and uh, Gideon, they get an article about a fire that Clara survived when she was 16, and Hotch points out that the address at the house was 333. AJ, I think three may have something to do with this case. Which brings me to my uh, beef. This is just a good... I, I was going to save it for the end, but I'm just going to bring it up here. My biggest beef of this episode. Kintad, what episode of Criminal Minds is this? Why did they not do this in episode three? <laughs> that is such Why a good not? point. It writes itself. Uh, that- this is our third adventure together as the full team. Now that we have uh, Greenway, you know, it's number three, episode three. That would have been perfect. I didn't even uh, think of that, AJ. That's what, well, see, that's why but I'm now, not watching the episode. I'm, I'm thinking about all this other stuff. I'm thinking outside the box, King Todd. That's what you need me for. I'm thinking outside the box. Oh, man. Now that's going to, like, uh. that's going to just <laughs> burn me up. Working in Greenway, they talk about magical thinking, like step on a crack, break your mother's back, and that Clara actually. You see sidewalks in the city; they have cracks Uh, in them because of. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised they didn't do that, actually. But yeah, so basically, God is testing her. God tested Clara with fire, and now whenever three three show up around another person, she has to test them with fire. I hope she never bumps into Steph Curry because then... Now, here's someone who knows a little thing about threes. Everyone is trying to find Clara and uh, Morgan and Greenway find a bunch okay, of okay. homemade bombs Again in here. her closet. Again, here. Go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, okay, this is... This is my only point. It's it's her her, her closet that is has like a bead curtain <laughs> is the only thing protecting I mean, the homemade bombs. Room. I get it. It's funny. It's funny. Morgan tells Morgan, Morgan's reaction here. Here, Morgan's reaction. Shamar does a great job with this line because Hodge Gideon and I on the phone with him, like going, "We well, need to search the place and find something." And Morgan's just like, "Where do you see this place? <laughs> you have no idea what we're dealing with here." Yet they missed the incredibly not secret door <laughs> that hides. They've been in the place long enough. That was that, but the first thing you go to is the beaded entrance in the wall, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it would have been for me. Like, oh, come on, look what I just found. Just found. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll be fair. Maybe if I go in and I see all the stuff on the wall before I check out the the, the little closet, I'm looking at all the stuff on the wall. Maybe. You can at TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> yeah, they got a move. Yeah, that, that, um, just, that made me laugh. That uh, like the, the the great big secret <laughs> compartment. It's not like they had to move a book in the wall and a door slid open. It was like it's. <laughs> it was a beaded curtain. It wasn't even a door, AJ. It was a beaded curtain. And when Elsa says, "Look over here," the camera kind of turns around to her, and you're like, "Oh, look, there's a room behind me." <laughs> she hasn't even opened the beads yet, and she's saying, "Look over here." <laughs> 
boy. Can I say? Can I say? I like this show. I do like this show. I I I I, I hate because I love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm and I'm. I've only seen the first two episodes now, and I I'm I'm enjoying it, even in its its silly moments, charm. so to speak. Part of the charm. Uh, Wait, part of the charm. Had to say it three times. Sorry. Not, I understand. Everybody spring is springing into action at this point, and Gideon is ordering every fire alarm to be pulled. And they evacuate the buildings, and he he wants campus the campus maps to be scoured. Oh, oh, for oh the one more thing. Three. How many bombs did Elsa was in the room? Three, not thirty-three. 30? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Stay on theme, people. Stay. Yeah. On. Although, if you add the three bombs that we'll see later on, then you know, or whatever, whatever. But. There were Stay with the theme. Yeah. Stay with the yeah, theme. You're right. right so yeah, Gideon's yeah. ordering evacuations of all the buildings. Campus security is running around, making it happen, and uh, we follow a little bit on with uh, Jeremy and the two non-speaking girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who obviously they didn't want to give those uh, bigger contracts to, except for I guess uh, they I will do give have you the a lines, so. <laughs> Okay. All right, good. So he and those girls are are uh, getting on that first elevator that we talked about earlier, where you need the key. It's important to note that, I suppose. And they get on the elevator, and then we see an elevator control panel that's evidently somewhere else that actually is can control the elevator. A hand reaches out, and using a key, using the key, stops the elevator just near the oh, third no. floor. <laughs> Fire alarms are going off, AJ. People are running around. It's all emergency-like. We cut to the students in the elevator, and they're trying to get push the emergency call button, but it's not working. And um, my man Jeremy didn't. He put the key back away. He doesn't have the key. Uh, that could probably yep, help and each in this of the situation. girls finally talks for the first time in this scene, and they each have three lines in this scene before they cut away. Three lines each. Actually, I uh, thought was very cute. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Uh, we then cut to Hotch, Reed and Gideon, and, and Hotch is saying that Clara is basically a good person. She doesn't really want to do any harm like any other rational person, but unfortunately, she's completely not rational because of her traumatic OCD. Uh, and, he, and he tells the guys, you can't reason with her because... It's a physiological problem, okay? It's not something you can talk to her about. She's not setting the fires because she wants to. She's setting them because she has to. Uh, we cut back to the elevator, and our, our guy Jeremy is trying to pry the door open with his hands. They can only open the door a little bit. They're still below the level of the floor, so they're sort of like below where the floor is. Um, but it does appear that help has arrived because someone is opening the doors from up above. <laughs> Unfortunately for Jeremy and his friends, it's Clara. They ask her to go get the elevator key and she walks off and they call her back and ask if the building is on fire. <laughs> not yet. And she says, not yet. <laughs> I mean, this, this actress killed it with the creep factor here. She's like, I'm here to save you. Is the building on fire? Not yet. <laughs> I mean, she, she's really good there. She goes upstairs, stares off at a light uh, as if she's praying for guidance or something. And she comes back with the with what she calls the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 frightening. So the BAU team and the security are running all over the place. They're looking for him, but they they think that the science building was already cleared, uh, so they don't really think to come back there. 
And yeah, Clara is using her comedy rule of, you know, always saying things in threes. She's she's here to save you. God chose you, chose you, chose you. <laughs> At which point she puts down uh, her three uh, squirt bottles, uh, basically, yeah. uh, you know, mustard and ketchup and mayonnaise, but that's not what's in them. Uh, <laughs> she squirts the first bottle on uh, on Jeremy and the two girls, who by now are, are up to up to pass the... Uh, the under five, they passed that threshold. They're going to get paid. They gave them a lot. They really didn't have to say anything more here except scream from this point on. But they at least gave them enough at this point. Yeah. Not names, but at least they're going to get the, the bigger paycheck here. So she squirts the first bottle on them. Did you happen to catch? As the girls just scream in in in, in terror, Jeremy doesn't scream. He says a word. Do you have? Do you happen? Did you happen to notice the word that Jeremy screams rather than just uh, ah as she squirts the bottle on them? I feel like I will forget. I, I forget, but I feel like I'll remember it when you say it because I do feel like I remember. She squirts the bottle, and that. even before the, the the liquid hits him, he screams, "Gasoline!" <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gasoline. I'm like, really? I mean, I know. Again, that's for the dumber viewers out there who might think, "Oh, she's squirting mustard or ketchup." But I don't know. Is it just water? Like, gasoline. At least let it hit him first and have him taste it or something. But it was instantaneous. It was probably like take three. <laughs> but oh man, that just—I I, I have to say—that made me laugh. I'd never noticed that before, and it made me laugh. <laughs> It is funny. Uh, I mean, the second bottle squirts, he didn't go, accelerant! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. She yeah. douses them, though. I, it's kind of... She she gets them good. Uh, if she should happen to throw in a flame... Oh, they're going up. Third squeeze, squeeze bottle. Sugar water! And and Clara has some kind uh, of... Yeah, it was, was, like, was, was, was that a flare? flare? Yeah, it was like a yeah. candle? So they're all screaming, and uh, then we cut to Reed, who's on the phone with Gideon, and he mentions that the science building, and Gideon says, no, we already cleared that, and he says, well, yeah, but the third floor is under construction, so that's, the, according to the Gideon's law of knowing everything, that's what makes okay, him say, I'm no, going to go to the science building. Hodge already was going to the science building, like, he was already, he was already kind of like, oh my gosh, we should probably check the science building, he... he, he He's already heading there. When he gets there, which floor do you think he's going to check out first, given all we know? He's going to the third floor. We don't need the extra beat over the head there. We didn't need that scene, quite frankly. But okay. Fine. Yep. Fine. Yep. And and you're right. (laughs) Fine. Yeah. But you're right. Hotch is there first. And he starts speaking with Clara, trying to talk her down, which directly contradicts what his previous advice was to Gideon, but whatever. And uh, so he says, uh, you know, you got to stop. You you need to stop. Uh, You know, you don't really want to kill them, do you? Um, Eventually he can't. She can't stop. She feels compelled. And he has to shoot her to stop her from setting Jeremy and friends on fire. Good for him. Shoots her down low in the leg. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't go for a headshot. Doesn't go for a heart shot. She, she presumably uh, will uh, get some help after this, as opposed to uh, uh, getting in a zipped bag. <laughs> 
And even Gideon agrees with me because yeah, he comes by and says, I thought you said not to reason. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good, good line. Yeah, but, you know, there's, a, there's a cool little dramatic moment when the, she drops the flare after getting shot and it's rolling towards the elevator and you see our Jeremy plus two. Like Jeremy and the Pussycats, I suppose. Why did I take so long? And I got to call him that. Jeremy and the Pussycats are in there and, and, and Gideon like steps it on it with a foot at the last second. Like, again, better to be lucky than good sometimes. <laughs> so why don't we take the jet home? So now, it's over. We Let's get back super on the Superjet. Absolutely, that's what we're you know, for. Let's get back on the Superjet. Greenway uh, is there, and she tells Gideon that she figured out why the footpath killer stutters. He's like, okay, what, what, why? She says, oh, you were just stalling for time. We don't know why anyone stutters. That's just the fact. You were just saying that so you could get him to stall for time at the convenience store. She asks him what really happened there, and Gideon says... The one thing that he does know about a stutter is that he knows how to provoke one. And here we have some cool camera trickery as well, because uh, he turns around and in a nice, beautiful, tricky transition, he puts his hand up and he's back in the convenience store instead of on the jet. And the footpath killer, killer is walking behind him with a shotgun and he makes him take the key and go into a back room. And there's a, a whiteboard in there with uh, more, more Polaroids of people like in the gas station, except for the difference here is that all the people are dead with yeah, it's, bullet holes uh, in their it's, head. Uh, quite, um, the, uh, quite the display of photos that he's got there. And uh, I think what's really cool here is that uh, there aren't three of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly, but like, this you know, is a they, they could they could have done that and just really you know, screwed with people's heads there. But it, it actually it actually though it was a little bit incongruent to see more than three and not in rows of three, and it was kind of it was just haphazard. It was like that was kind of cool to like it's like yep. different case, like you said, but visually they interpreted it differently. I actually did like that. That was nice. Um, turns out there were are thirteen pictures of vic- victims, and Gideon says we only found six. And the footpath killer asks him if he's impressed. And uh, um, we go back to Blunt Gideon. He says, yeah, I was impressed. I didn't know you could count. Our, our profile said you'd be too stupid. And uh, we also said that you were a chronic bedwetter. And so, I mean, basically, yeah, well, I mean, going we all know, in. We knew that he was going to provoke, but that does see, this is now two episodes. And although this is a flashback... This is two two cases out of the three that we've had, and he's not the one who confronted the the unsub in the end of our three body problem. So in the two times that he is the lone person confronting the unsub, uh, he goes on what? I don't hear. Huh? Huh? What? Spit it out. God. What? What? You got to stutter or something? Come on. What? Huh? What? Huh? Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> what a jerk. And this causes people to get so mad at him. And, and yeah, he did provoke the stutter. And, 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 and he's trying to stutter. And he's trying so hard to communicate what he's feeling that he's distracted. And Gideon is able to overpower him. And, and does a nice little triumph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like the Miz. I am awesome. <laughs> oh gosh! Then we uh, we're we're back on the plane uh, in a nice, another little transition, and there's a chess match going on, presumably a little bit later. And and Gideon Reed and Reed are playing chess, and we get our in show quote, a voiceover from Gideon who says, "Faulkner once said, 
don't bother just to be better than your contemporaries or your predecessors. Try to be better than yourself. Mm, if only he would start to learn that. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 kind of cool that you know Reed thinks he's finally beaten Gideon. So you know, checking three again, three, which a nice little carryover from the case, and, and Gideon's like, oh, not bad. However, it's actually checkmate in one psych, and I'm not I'm not a good enough chess player to know how you could have check in three. <laughs> that and, and that. Instantly, that could be your undoing. Yeah, but you know, I'm not. You know, this I'm not going to analyze this like the Queen's game. But it's just, it's just funny that Gideon's like, oh yeah, you you almost got me sort of in three moves if I don't do this and win immediately. See you, sucker, bye. <laughs> I don't know why, but they had to have the like chess pieces move themselves in some sort of weird <laughs> criminal minds, like in the head of Gideon or something where he's like, they should, they have to show him working out what the, what the, I mean, you know, I know you you love your transition budget and maybe once you've paid for a transition, then you don't have to pay for it again, which is why you repeat so much. But yeah, let's let's save the budget for next week. Please. (laughs) I'm with you. I'm with you. That was a little (laughs) much. Then we have another, uh, well, he gives a nice, it is a nice little moment though at the end after, after Gideon does checkmate him, basically he looks at Reed and, and says, you know, don't worry, you're getting there. You're going to be all right. Basically is the message Gideon, Gideon gives him there. And then we get another stock shot of the jet flying over some snow capped mountains somewhere. Because, you know, from, and, uh, from that's the Arizona the episode. To, to Washington DC, you're going to cover, cover flying over all those snow capped mountains. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let it pass. I'll let it pass. But just say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So that was the yeah. episode. Um, it was a fun one. I I, I enjoyed it. We. Uh, I'm still I'm still engrossed oh, enough good. to Thank goodness. keep this thing going. Basically. I'm, glad, I'm glad because if you would maybe sit through as long as we recap that and you would have said, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore, I'd have been a little upset. <laughs> <laughs> I would have checked you in one. Yeah. It would have been. Yeah. I guess that would have been kind of a letdown. Um, now, AJ, it's time to crack out our BA-rometer. Yes. Uh, our barometer, yeah. <laughs> uh, our and uh, ask ourselves an important question Did they win, AJ? Well,. Yeah, let's look at the stats here for this week. Uh, one ups, one unsub in this episode. Caught, caught, and not killed. Especially when they, uh, this is an unsub who uh, was uh, not necessarily one hundred percent at fault. We're, you know, we're we're, we're saying uh, unsub by reason of mental defect and not by pure evil. So uh, unsub caught, check, good. Now they did save the three elevator uh, people. But the professor died after they got there and they were on the case, so I cannot give them a perfect score. Only three out of four people saved there. The professor does count against them, so they're no longer perfect. They're no longer batting 1,000 in the save department. However, I'm going to say preponderance of the evidence here. Definitely, this is a two episodes, a two wins. Okay. They pulled it out in the ninth, and... Uh... Uh, yeah, 
I think they did a good job there. They inflated their stats if we're by, by, by having three uh, <laughs> three yokels at once. But you know, this is the episode of three, so I have to allow it. Uh, but no, yeah, perfection is gone. But uh, you know, life isn't perfect, and that that that's fine. Okay, so t- now we're still two and zero though at this point. No, no losses. Yeah, yeah, two and zero. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Hey. Hey. BAU, uh, ain't no posse like a BAU posse. Because <laughs> a BAU posse doesn't lose. Uh, AJ, have you yes. have you prepped a little quiz for me this week? I have. I have uh, one prediction that I would like for you to make. And I have uh, our standard three-question quiz. So, uh, firstly, let's go through uh, the quiz. Question one for mm-hmm. you, sir. You ready? All right. Oh, and also, I would like to say that uh, because that was all in flashback, the Footpath Killer stuff did not count against this week's win-loss record. That was a previous case, which obviously uh, uh, we we don't have all the information. We we didn't follow that case from start to finish, although it seems if there were seven victims that we didn't know about, (laughs) perhaps that might have been a loss there. But uh, that, that, that was not part of the mix here. All right. Question one for you, sir. Lucas Haas, who was the... uh, fine actor who portrayed the footpath killer. Mm-hmm. You familiar with uh, a little bit of his oomph, uh, the, the, perhaps? A wee bit, yes. yes uh, I mean, certainly. He, he was in Witness uh, That was uh, as a young child. That was his big, uh, big break there. Well, he has actually appeared in music videos. A lot of music videos, oh. believe it or not. Oh. Yeah. So I'm going to give you four choices. And he has appeared in music videos for three of these four artists. You must tell me the one of these four artists that he has not been a music video. Okay, so four. Are you ready, sir? Focus on the number three. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, as uh, those of you who don't know me, I, I am also host of a uh, trivia podcast called Beat My Guest. Uh, a lot of the times, if I do a multiple choice, I like to put the answers in alphabetical order to avoid you thinking that I'm trying to play shenanigans. And you know, I've done that here. This is alphabetical choices. Okay. All right, no game theorying my stuff. Anyway, A, Death Cab for Cutie. B, My Chemical Romance. C, Outcast. D, Panic at the Disco. Hmm. He has done music video appearances for three of these four. Which one did he not do? Well... The outlier there seems to be Outcast, um, just in terms of musical styles. But I don't. I, I I that's kind of why I don't want to pick it because it's sort of an outlier to me. Um, <laughs> not that they're all the same same type of music those bands, but that one seems to be the most different. Um, I'm going to say that the answer is uh, he did not appear in a Death Cab for Cutie video. Okay. Well, this episode certainly had uh, death in it. It had chemicals in it. It had panic in it. All of them uh, certainly there. Uh, Lucas Haas appeared in the video, Roses Really Smell Like Poo Poo. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) So Outcast is a video. Uh, Unfortunately, sir, the correct answer here is Panic at the Disco is the group that he did not appear in the video for. Can't give you credit for that one, but let's see if you can rebound here. 
Question two. Question two. No multiple choice on this one. I'm going to need an answer. Okay? All right. What song, when it was released in 1969, was submitted to radio stations anonymously because the artist's previous song, entitled Feeling So Good, parentheses, Scooby-Doo, was a relative flop. And that Scooby-Doo is spelled with a K, and it is spelled in initial form, so I'm not sure if it's actually not S-K-O-O-B-B-Y-D-O-O, but feeling so good, Scooby-Doo. It was a flop, and so uh, the artist's record label was concerned that if they said, hey, want to play our next song, that radio stations would not have played it. Uh, This song uh, was released anonymously and actually went to number one. So it was a hit, thanks to the anonymous release in 1969. What song are we talking about? Hmm. 1969. I'm sure you're familiar with the song, Feeling So Good, (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. I mean, that that suggests maybe kind of a a hip cat, like a Frank Sinatra type of song. Uh, I'm sorry, that's hip cat, not hip cat. No, Scooby-Doo was a dog. Good point. I think... (laughs) The song in question, I don't know. I'm going to guess a, uh, just a random guess, and I don't even think this is the right year. I'm going to say Brand New Key by Melanie. Fine guess there. Uh, No, inspired by this episode, and perhaps you could have gotten the hint from the fact that Scooby-Doo was a cartoon, and this is a band that was based on a cartoon. This is the Archies with the song Sugar, Sugar. Sugar, Sugar. I really should have guessed that. Sugar, Sugar, Sugar. Sugar, I'm mad at myself, AJ. I am... Beside myself, I should have had that one. Sugar, sugar. (laughs) All right, before we get to question three, which will be our final question, I do want you to make a prediction here. For those of you who listened last week, you may recall that Kintad's first prediction was that the Hotchner child, when he is born, will be named Richard. Still feeling good about that? Yeah, we'll, we'll stick with that for now. Okay, cool. Uh, here is a prediction. It is a multi-part kind of thing. Go as big as you want, as small as you want here. Uh, we've now met uh, what I'm calling the uh, Magnificent Seven, at least as far as season one goes. We've met Hotch. We've met Gideon. We've met Morgan. We've met Reed. We've met L. We've met JJ. And we've met Garcia. These are, are what I'm calling the Magnificent Seven. So, from this episode forward to the end of the series... How many of these characters, if any, you can pick zero, you can pick all of them, pick, pick, tell me, which of these characters do you think will have an episode wherein they are hovering on the brink of death and have some sort of near-death experience, dream sequence, flashback to other things from other episodes in which they interact. Uh, How many of these characters, and which ones, if you think it's more than zero, are going to have some sort of near-death experience experience? Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with the theme of the episode and say we have three characters that have this sort of experience uh i know that it doesn't 
that, you know, that has nothing to do with the theme of this episode, but that's what I'm going to go with anyway. Uh, okay. And we call your shot. Which ones? Uh, I'm going to say we're going to have a uh, get in, go through a near death experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say my man, Shamar, mm-hmm. as Morgan is going to go through one of those experiences. And, uh, I'm going to give it to the ladies and say, JJ, just going to have. Okay. Three, Gideon, Morgan, and JJ is your prediction. We will put a pin in that and uh, (laughs) we'll see. These are predictions. We'll see as we go if it even comes up at all. Okay. Got a long way to go. (laughs) Yeah, this is going to take a while to get, but we have this on the record. We will let you know. That's the point of this, yes. Uh, We're going to try and do a prediction each week if it it feels organic, and this one kind of felt organic. Not more organic, but organic. Given, given that we just had uh, this really cool visual effect into a flashback kind of here, and it kind of got my brain thinking, and so uh, y'all know what's going on here. All right, question three and our final question, and and by way of preview for next week's episode, I, I think uh, when we don't have a cliffhanger, because well, we had a cliffhanger, and that kind of, you know, we kind of knew, or at least we, we damn well hoped because if they hadn't gone right into uh, right. <laughs> the like... we'd be like, wait, what? Huh? <laughs> Who? What? Uh, yeah. If it's not blatantly obvious what's going to happen because it's a cliffhanger, uh, I'm going to use my third question to uh, give you a chance to predict, but really just guess, but I'll tell you right here, uh, what the plot of next week's episode is going to be. So I've come up with four, t- four options for you. Okay. And it's gonna be mul- there's going to be multiple choice. What is the plot of episode three, season one of Criminal Minds going to be? The title of the episode is Won't Get Fooled Again. (laughs) Won't Get Fooled Again. All right. Here are your choices. Again, in alphabetical order. Okay. So you can't game theory this sucker out, okay? All right. So in alphabetical order. Is it A, Hotch's wife goes into false labor at the same time, a serial killer begins to operate at her hospital. <laughs> that is A. Is it B? The BAU heads to Las Vegas, where they encounter a rival investigative team. Is it C? The BAU tracks down a murderous magician. Or is it D? We learn about what really happened in Boston. Ooh, ooh, intriguing. Okay, my first thought as soon as I heard the episode of the title, of course, is, oh, is this a CSI crossover? Because it's it's a Who reference, and uh, we know that CSI has Who theme music. But I think you might have suspected that of me would be a guess that I would like to go for. So I'm going to sort of take that out of the the running. Um, I'll tell you, AJ, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck between the magician and the we learn what happened in Boston. I don't think it's going to be the the uh, the hospital one. So uh, my prediction is. uh going to be choice C. I don't think we're going to find out what happens yet in Boston. I think we're going to have a case about a, a magician. I don't I don't remember exactly how you phrased that, but I, I phrased it a murderous magician. Yes. That's what next week is going to be about. 
Well, it appears you were fooled again. <laughs> but in a in a good way. I know you've been curious about it. You were curious about it in episode one. Uh, and you said, ooh, yes, we are going to learn about what really happened in Boston. That's what's going to happen there. Although, although I was really proud of myself for the false labor. <laughs> that, was, that was a good one. I just, I thought it was going to be a little too soon for that. I might have gone for that otherwise. Uh, oh. Well, I mean, if Els had time to move from Seattle, I mean, who <laughs> knows how long this has been since then. <laughs> True. Okay. Well, that was fun. Right. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not keeping track of my scores. I don't know if you were. You're two out of six so far. <laughs> so someone is. After they open three today. Oh, I'm keeping track. <laughs> All right. And uh, you're doing about a third as good as, as the BAU itself hey, in the win loss. I've got plenty record, of time. Okay. <laughs> I got 300 and something odd episodes to. And when you mess up, lives don't get lost. <laughs> That's a, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I thank you so much for that, AJ. Uh, and folks, that is the show for this week. Thank you, all of you, for joining us. We hope you had a great time. And uh, if you did have a good time, please be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to spread the word and let your friends know all about us. And you can also write to us at our very professional email address, feloniouspundants at gmail.com if you want to know how to spell it you know just look at the uh, episode because yeah, it should be right there it should be right there. yeah exactly so for aj mass this is kentad Svensgard saying goodbye and keep profiling you're a fire starter honey just one big zippo lighter stephen king from the novel Firestarter. starter